Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. everyone, welcome to The Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Very excited because it's a wrap-up kickoff. Wrap-up kickoff is my favorite kind of episode because it's full of so many exciting things. We're finished with that short month, February. On to a normal (laughs) length month. Give us a nice 31-day month, please. I know, right? You know what I found really interesting about February and March this year? They Mm. have the same dates. Yep. Like all the, at least up Mm -hmm. until the 28th, (laughs) they all, all the dates match the same That's every year except leap leap years. March and February are like that? Yeah. In leap years, it's not because 28, because 29 days doesn't fit. But 28 divides into seven evenly so you always get march 1 starting at the same day as february 1 did oh cool thanks for that tom Uh uh-huh that was information that i didn't know you could thank my grandma who created a cross-stitch calendar that i have to change every month what's a cross-stitch calendar it's like all the numbers are cross-stitch and they're on velcro and then you just move you just you know put them in their new place every month that's really adorable that's very absolutely precious. That's like yeah. the cutest thing I've ever heard of <laughs> that you have in your home, probably. Yeah, I do. I have it upstairs. Well, I'm drinking a very cute beer right now. Um, it's not especially cute. I'm drinking an Arcadia Ales IPA. I think I, think I was drinking this last time, too. I'm still going through my awesome, awesomeclubs.com. Yeah. Not actually a sponsor. Awesome pies. And they didn't give me this beer for free. Tom paid for it. That's right. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Yay. Uh, What are you drinking? I'm drinking a locally sourced artisanal spring water. Ooh. Uh, uh, It's water a la Ralph's. Oh, is that that a, um, wait, you buy your water? (laughs) I did. I bought bought a thing of water. Why? (laughs) Because it's, we have hard water. We have water here now, Tom. California no, has water again. I know, but we have hard water in our place. We don't have a water softener, and I don't want to get into it, but the hard water was causing issues. You need a water softener? Is that like a... Never mind. It's just a... Yeah, it's a... You, you hire a person to just kind of sit down and calm the water down. Is that like... Do you need, don't like, be a, so water, hard, do you need like a water suppository? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> I've been taking all... Of, never mind. I can't say that. <laughs> I feel like at least 20% of the audience when I started giggling like knew where I was going to go with it and the other 80 are just disgusted by me. Hey, do you ever play StarCraft? I did play StarCraft. Yes. Why? The guy who says in the rear with the gear. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I don't. I do know in the rear with the gear. I don't know why I thought of that suddenly. I I have no idea why you would make that connection. Hey, um, maybe we should move on before we lose all our listeners. (laughs) Let's let's jump into the quick burns. Hey, 
the nebulas are here. The nebulas are here. Uh, award nominees have been announced. Thanks to Sandra for posting it in our Goodreads Quick Burns thread. Uh, and the novel nominees are All the Birds in the Sky, Charlie Jane Anders, Borderline by Michelle Baker, The Obelisk Gate by N.K. Jemison, Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee, and Everfair by Nisi Shaw. A lot of a lot of uh, female representation. That's really awesome. Um, I'm I'm excited for this, especially to see Charlie Jane Anders uh, in the best novel category. Um, yeah. You know, we read All the Birds in the Sky. It was great. Uh, I'm really excited for her. And yeah, of course, N.K. Jemison as well. For not for not having read more than one of the novels nominated nominated for Nebula. Who was throwing us some shit? I don't remember who it was. Somebody on Twitter. But I'm like, look, we don't try to pick award-winning books. We just try to pick a wide variety of books. In some years, we have happened. Wait, so they were mad at us for not anticipating no, what the best taunting. novels were of the year us. were going to yeah. be? I think it was good nature. To be fair, technically, I mean, we did read 100,000 Kingdoms, which is, isn't that in the same series as? No. It's the same author. It's the same author. What was the one? Mm, okay. All right. All right. So isn't the, mm, damn it. All right. They're right. <laughs> we, but, but, but we can't our, anticipate our stated, these things. Our stated purpose is not join Sword and Laser and read all the award-winning books every year, or we wouldn't, we'd only read current books. Like right. we like to try to pick from different eras, different styles and all of that. And so sometimes that means that, books we've read have shown up in nebula have we pretended to take credit for that sure <laughs> of course okay we have. so wait it wasn't the hundred thousand kingdoms it was the fifth season which oh, was the first book in, in that season yeah yeah last year's march madness yeah <laughs> um so yeah so 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 there you know what happened we let a we let a uh we let a troll get the best of us didn't we i don't think the person well i think it was good natured trolling if it was trolling um, Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation, uh, Arrival, the movie, Doctor Strange, Kubo and the Two Strings, Rogue One, a Star Wars Story, Zootopia, and Westworld. Okay. Mostly movies this year. It's not always that way. Um, but yeah, The Bicameral Mind, by, directed by Jonathan Nolan, is the, uh, written by Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, is the uh, Westworld episode that's nominated along all those movies. That's cool. Arrival got Oscars, so I kind of feel like Arrival is going to win this. Arrival was great, and it's and it also really based cool. off of and a an science fiction short. book. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, short story. So it really it, it fits all the all the notches. Um, Dara says that uh, Neil Gaiman's next novel will be a sequel to Neverwhere, titled The Seven Sisters. A lot of people are going to be excited about this one. Was it just me, or did that sound very Pratchett like that title? The Seven Sisters. Yeah. It does kind of sound like it could be like a Tiffany Aching novel. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to try to write a Pratchett novel or anything, but I wondered if there was a little, even if subconscious, like tribute to his friend. Yeah. Um, Gaiman says uh, his work with the UN Refugee Agency and the changes in the world over the past 20 years are what prompted a focus on the sequel. Um, he told uh, a recent audience, when Lenny Henry and I came up with the original idea for Neverwhere almost 25 years ago, what attracted us was the idea that we could talk about the homeless, talk about the dispossessed, talk about the people who fall through the cracks, and do it in a way that was exciting and fun and interesting and also relevant and might change people's minds. Very cool. I'm um, looking forward to that. 
Uh, meanwhile, American Gods, the television series, got a premiere date. It's coming out on Stars in the United States on April 30th. Eight episodes in the series. Uh, if you don't remember, it's written by Brian Fuller and Michael Green. Michael Green wrote Logan, the movie that's coming out this week. Uh, it stars Ian McShane. That That is American Gods. stars Ian McShane as Mr. Wednesday and Ricky Whittle as Shadow Moon. Uh, Ricky Whittle is from 100. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be subscribing to stars, I have a feeling. Yeah, so how do I watch this now as a cord cutter? Tom. Oh, you can add it on to Amazon or you can get it as a standalone subscription from stars. Mm, okay. More money. Mm. Keep well, having to pay for things. Yeah. But you, you are in control of what you pay for. You can I decide when I cut whether the cord, it's worth I just magically just things just download. <laughs> all the things are all free. I suddenly. thought it was just yeah. all free. Well, there is a way to do that. Obviously, uh, it breaks the law though. Oh, okay. Sandra says, Gerard Butler, yes, that Gerard Butler, and Gerald. Neil, Gerald? So, mm -hmm. his, wait, so not Gerard, Gerard Butler, who I thought she was saying when she said, she yes, wrote that Gerald. Gerald Butler. But I think you're right. It is it Gerard. It is Gerard Butler. It's Gerard Butler. Okay. I'm like, who's Gerald Butler? <laughs> Why am I supposed to know who that is? <laughs> uh, anyway, Gerard Butler and Neil Moritz are producing an adaptation of V.E. Schwab's A Darker Shade of Magic for the big screen. And I'm almost, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I typed it wrong, copying it over. I don't want to blame Sandra for that hilarious typo. But yeah, uh, very excited for V.E. Schwab. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to to seeing this turn into a a, a, a big screen adventure. And in case you don't remember, our darker shade centers on Kel, a magician who has the ability to travel between parallel universes connected by one magical city, in this case, London. Kel can travel between four parallel worlds within London, including Grey London, where residents believe magic is a myth, Red London, where magic is revered, White London, where magic is battled over, and the Dark Black London, where magic has overpowered the people. When Kel Which meets one do you live in? I, let me finish reading. When Kel meets Delilah Bard, a London pickpocket, he's whisked into a universe-hopping adventure. Spoiler. Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> um, I'm I, I'm I'm Red London. You're Red London. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I'm. I think I'm Red London. That's where the one where magic celebrated, right? Yeah. 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 That's um, actually, the London I choose to live in. And V.E. Schwab today had uh, her new book come out on number six on the bestsellers list, New York Times bestsellers list. Nice job, V.E. Schwab. Well so done. That's awesome. Uh, and finish up with some sad news. Uh, Michelle posted the news that Bill Paxton died uh, writing R.I.P. Hudson. Game over. Sad face. That's very sad. Yeah. Surgery complications. Scary. Scary. He was only 61, yeah. uh, you know, which isn't young, but it, it, it isn't really that old anymore. And uh, beloved actor, uh, you kind of forget all of the things he was in. Apollo 13, for instance, uh, just just crazy. Yeah, he's been in a lot of great films. Um, so rest in peace. We will we will miss you. Uh, sad, very sad news. Yeah. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. More sad news, <laughs> Dara, Dara, she's told me so many times how to pronounce her name, and I'm still going to say it both ways just to cover my ass. Um, just go, just kind of do it. 
She says, Tor.com's open thread today is books that punch us in the tear ducts. What are Mm. some books that have made you cry? For me, The Return of the King, when Aragorn tells the hobbits that they bow to no one. Uh, The Mazatlan series made me cry a few times. This is Dara. Again, by the way, this is not me speaking. Uh, Chain of dogs, anyone, she says. Robin Hobb is the master at boxing my tear ducts. Anything with Fritz and the uh, Fitz and the Fool is bound to bring tears at some point, and I'm pretty sure I cried like a baby at the end of Ship of Destiny. Harry Potter makes me cry a few different times. Uh, Dumbledore's speech after Cedric's death. Uh, Harry's walk into the forest at the end of Deathly Hallows. Dumbledore saying, of course, it's all in Harry's head. But why does that mean it isn't real? What are some of your tear jerkers? I'll go I'll go along with the Lord of the Rings. Uh, that that particular scene in Return of the King is a good one where he tells the hobbits about it. No one. But that that speech when Aragorn says they're going to storm the gates of Mordor, uh, there will be a day when the courage of men fails. But it is not this day. It makes me cry, not because it's sad, but because it's just so Passion, powerful. passionate and powerful. And they're going to certain death at that point. They, you know, they don't know that they're going to win, but he's giving this amazing speech. That one always brings me tears. Um, William mentions one that had me sobbing on the bus, which is the time traveler's wife. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Aww. I never saw the movie, but the book made me cry really hard. And yes, uh, anything having to do with Fitz and any one of his companion animals, um, definitely like, uh, what was the Sooty? Sooty was the one that made me cry the hardest. Uh, his, his companion Sooty, um, anything having to do with animals? Um, mm. oh, Anne also says it's already been mentioned, but the time traveler's wife had me bawling my eyes out on the train and I didn't even care. Uh, yeah, same, same girl, same. Uh, Jenny and William agrees with Jenny about The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Mm. Uh, Jenny says, made me sob my eyes out so Mm -hmm. much so that I still haven't been able to read the follow up. That was really hard. That was, yeah, for sure. Um, Anything also with old men dying? Like, I get really upset for some reason. Like, sweet old men when they die Mm -hmm. gets me every time. Yeah. Well, good thread. Uh, if you want to commiserate over sad novels, go jump into the thread books that make you cry by our girl D. <laughs> D to the era. D to or the maybe era. it's D to the era. <laughs> it's the D era. D for all eras. She's going to be like, would you just shut up? Would you just stop? Just stop. She's going to be like, I've been listening to the show for like five, six years. Like you still. OK, fine. Whatever. Uh, yes, and uh, March Madness is upon us. Voting has opened mere minutes ago, if you count minutes in hours. Uh, this afternoon, we we put together the polls. There are eight matchups of two books each. And just like last year, if you missed it, what we're doing is we have 16 fantasy books and you have to vote head to head. So, for instance, would you rather read Theft of Swords by Michael J. Sullivan or The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman? Then a next poll is Control Point by Mike Cole or Malice by John Gwynn. Whoever wins the poll this week in these two will then go on to be in a poll against each other. So let's say Control Point 1 and Theft of Swords 1. Next week, Theft of Swords and Control Point would be head-to-head, and you'd have to pick between the two. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, This is always fun. Thanks again to Rob for helping out uh, putting all this together. And thanks to Tom for creating the brackets. And thanks to me for picking the top 16. 
Group effort. Yay. You look really deep in thought, Tom. What are you thinking about? I'm just looking at all these comments. Uh, <laughs> don't read the comments. What are you doing? As, as, and I, I want to see how the voting's going. Uh, and this year it's going to be an ac- actual week for each for each vote as well. So, you know, you have until basically until Tuesday night or Wednesday night, I think on most, most cases, and then it will all end on Tuesday, the 28th, the day before we do our show when we'll announce the winner. Yay. Kick it off. I'm very excited. This, this kind of stuff always makes me very giddy. Um, and last year, as you remember, we had a tie, so let's not do that again. Right. Like, how is that going to happen? Everybody just keep voting, you know, do your thing. What happens if we get a tie? You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. If we get a tie uh, in the early rounds, not in the finale, but in the early rounds, Veronica will cast the deciding vote. Okay. (laughs) When I was at book club this week, um, they wanted me to do, they wanted me to have Patrick Rothfuss, like flip a coin to decide. And I was like, that would be great. Why would we have Patrick Rothfuss come on to flip a coin? I can flip a coin. (laughs) In, if it was the finale, though, that'd be kind well, of fun. Originally, well, you they someone- like, originally, they were like, well, have Patrick Rothfuss cast a deciding vote. And I'm like, he's going to have a hard time doing that because no, he'll probably know yeah. one of He'd the authors. To it's going to be unfair. And they're like, well, flip a coin. I'm like, I could flip a coin, though. We don't need him for to flip a coin. <laughs> it's not the physical act of flipping the coin. It's having like some impartial observer from outside do it. I but think a that's- coin flip is impartial. You can't. There's no bias oh. in a coin flip. Ask Brian Brushwood about that. Oh, okay. Well, we don't have Brian Brushwood here flipping his. Let's not ask fake Brian ass coin, to flip the coin to break fake the ass magic coin or whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, get over there and vote. It's on Goodreads, uh, or you can go to swordandlaser.com, look for the March Madness link, and that'll show you the brackets, which you can follow along with and uh, find the link to vote there. I sounded real bitter about Brian because I'm just mad because I can't do magic. Yeah. Okay. No, it's just too. bitterness because I can't do magic. I'm sorry. Anyway, all right, so uh, we're going to now jump into uh, the book of the month discussion. Tom's going to kick things off by talking about his book pick for March, and then we're going to do a wrap-up of The Salt Roads. And we're doing the kickoff before the wrap-up so that if you don't want to be spoiled on The Salt Roads, you can hear the the kickoff safely and then stop (laughs) before we we start the spoilers. Uh, The pick... For this month, I wanted to do something from the 70s. I noticed we had kind of skipped over the 70s. We'd gone back to the 40s and the 60s and the 90s and modern stuff. Uh, And so I looked around and I was going to do a poll. I was thinking like, oh, I'll pick from different parts of the 70s, different styles. And uh, am I boring you? No, no, keep going. Okay, sorry. So you missed the huge yawn. Well, that was unrelated. I, uh, I was looking around and as I was researching what to put in a poll, I found out that Gateway, why are you laughing? Because you were going to do a poll and you ended up doing a (laughs) poll. I found out that I did a poll. I picked Friedrich Pohl. Uh, Frederick Pohl wrote Gateway in uh, 1977 and won the Hugo, Locus, Nebula, and Campbell Awards. Like, just not bad. Swept the table. I don't know if we have a good acronym for that. The the Hunkle, the, the Hugo Nebula Campbell Locus. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he swept the table. So I'm like, well, we got to read that. We got to see what that's about. What caused all the voters in all the different places to choose Gateway by Friedrich Pohl? So that's what we're reading. Uh, it's about 
an alien race, but we never meet the alien race. Humanity finds a thousand spaceships left behind by a race called the Hichi, and people figure out how to turn the ships on, but they just go where they go. You can't you can't tell where it's going to go. You you can you can pick a course, but you don't know what it means. Mm. And so all these adventurers turn on different courses and then head out into space. Some of them find amazing riches. Some of them find nothing. Some of them die because it was a really bad location that isn't safe anymore. So uh, the story is around one particular guy who makes his way out of the food farms of Earth uh, to head up to Venus to the gateway and uh, see if he can make his fortune as a prospector. I thought I was going crazy because I spent about 45 minutes last night on my Kindle trying to figure out how to download it. It's not available on Kindle as a standalone yeah, book. Yeah, that is a weird thing about this Hugo Locus Nebula and Campbell Award winning book is that there does not seem to be an ebook version of it, even though there is an audiobook. You There's can an audiobook, get, yeah. You can I get just the audiobook it. on Audible. Um, so that's a little odd. And apologies to those of you whose preferred method of reading is the ebook this month. Uh, I personally try not to take that into account because I want to mm -hmm. read cool things. I don't want to be prejudiced against things that just don't happen to have a good publisher deal or whatever. But I don't know right. why this book, this particular book wouldn't have that. And book two is available as an ebook. Yeah, I noticed which is that. even weirder. So somebody else has the rights to one and not two. And in, anyway, maybe he's trying to. Uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, but I, I got the audiobook. They're available at Borderlands if you want to pick them up at your local bookstore. Um, <laughs> I like pretending like Borderlands. You could order it on Borderlands and get it on the Borderlands website and get it anywhere in the country. They'll, they'll ship it to you. They'll yeah. ship it to you. Um, yeah, so wherever books are sold or, or library books, uh, yep. go check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I've wanted to read something of his for a long time, so this looks like a good pick. And it's relatively short on the shorter side. Yeah, I think it's about eight hours on the audiobook side, which is, you know, half the normal length of the stuff we've been reading lately. True. All right, well, now we're going to wrap up our February pick, The Salt Roads by Nalo Hopkinson. Or Nalo. Shoot, someone told Nalo. me that. Nalo. Thank you. Yep. And um, this book, yeah, we, we had a really interesting time discussing this book in, in book club this week as well, because it is kind of hard to like put a finger on in, in many different ways, um, which I thought made it actually very interesting. But I'll let uh, one of our, our listeners kind of kick things off. Uh, we had quite a few discussion threads about the Salt Roads and Joanna says, I can't decide if I liked it or not. There were definitely some violent parts, including one scene in Haiti where I had to take a break, although these days my emotional sensitivity is up. Same. I guess I wish that I had I guess I wish that I had figured out that the female goddess figure was the main character. I can't help but wonder if the same message could be communicated with a little less book. I can't mm. say I enjoyed it exactly, but I appreciated it. Uh, and then Ian follows that up saying, I don't think this is a book to enjoy. I felt it was more of an experience, more an exercise in empathy than straight up storytelling, but very effective and affecting. And I think that's a good interpretation of what Joanna's feeling, because I think one of the brilliances of Nalo Hopkinson is that she creates mood like nobody mm -hmm. else. I felt everyone in this book. Uh, and I, I, I knew where I was at every point and, and what people were feeling and what the conditions were trying to find the plot was challenging 
Uh, and it's not that there isn't one, but this is not a book that's going to say this is what happened and then this is what happened and then this is what happens. It's it's very much about, and I think empathy is a really good word for it, uh, it's, it's about making you feel what these characters feel. I think Richard probably describes it the best way that I've seen so far. Um, he says, I think all of the three stories are important to the completedness of the book because they illustrate in such variety of scenarios how the women are affected by how they're seen by people of other races as other. For Mare, it is a brutal repression. For uh, for Jean, it's being seen by Baudelaire as his Venus Noir. For Thais, it is, and I found this so witty, having her life reinterpreted almost beyond recognition historically through the lens of Catholicism. But it seems to me that the women's sexuality almost runs in the opposite direction to this idea. They each have greater agency defining themselves in this, but it's a bit vague to me now. I think I need to read this book again. It's certainly worth more than one read. Yeah, I agree with you there, too. There's a lot to be got from this book uh, that you won't get through one reading. At least I certainly feel like there's more for me mm -hmm. to get. And Andrew, actually, at our at our book club meeting, asked if 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 the goddess was almost a um, a device, a, a, a device to kind of explain. That's not the word he used. Um, a medium, maybe, or not a medium. Mm, it'll come to me later when we're done recording how mm -hmm. he described it, but almost a, a tool to kind of mm -hmm. thread the stories together. Uh, not a, Anyway, uh, it's going to drive me crazy now. But I, I, I was like, we, and we, he's like, I don't know if that's true. I'm just wondering if, if that is seen, like the way that people are seeing it. And I think the, the goddess in the story like she, she definitely is the the quote unquote main character. I think because she's experiencing all these different lives uh, through her travels, through her trying to figure out like where she fits into the world, and in this battle between the feminine and the masculine that is kind of so representative of so many different kinds of of god stories and mythologies and and like creation stories essentially. Um, and I found that really interesting, especially with the uh, Mackendall character being this vessel for this this masculine god entity that was so into the idea of having war to kind of fuel him and the feminine kind of pulling back against that and not wanting that kind of aggression um, and being more interested in keeping everyone complete and whole. So that was, yeah, that those kinds of themes come back in a lot of kinds of stories. And I also just really liked how it, it kind of tells the story of all of these different, the people, the, the Ginnon, and how they spread throughout the world because of slavery, because of these atrocities, um, because of just the flow of humankind. But yet they keep this tether of this of this goddess figure with them that kind of goes with them, you know, from from place to place and and is that signpost, I guess, for for part of their spirituality. Conduit? No. Mm. No, it's like almost like a it's something like a literary device, except mm -hmm. okay. not. It's something like that, like a. If you think thematic. about you now, wait till you see everybody telling you what it is in the. I know. Comments wait till I see like Andrew emailing me like tomorrow, <laughs> being like, "You dummy, we just talked about this on Monday." No, uh, but but I I should I should say like I think that's beautifully described uh, mm -hmm. as as to what the value of this book is because if there's something that bugs people, and I've seen a couple people put it this way, it's that. 
she doesn't straightforwardly explain the mechanics of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. We're very much used to in a lot of these books that are, that are great world building, like going, going and putting on the table, like this is how magic works in this world. And this is how it, it happens. And that's fun. I'm not, not, I'm not criticizing that at all. I think that's great. I love that. Uh, she does the opposite. She's like, no, I'm not even going to explain who this goddess is at first. You're going to have to figure that out as we go along. And I'm not going to tell you how she got here. You'll figure that out yeah. as we go along. Like you, the, there's a little more work for you to do because she's focusing on that mood and that emotion, uh, that emotional part of it. And that tension that you're talking about, uh, between Macadal and, and between other characters like Baudelaire, et cetera. Yeah. And so I, I kind of liked the way she handled the goddess aspect. Um, La Sirene, who is discovering who she is throughout the process as well. Like, even though she's not tethered to any specific point in time, she really jumps around from, you know, from 18th century Haiti to, to 19th century, uh, you know, France to, to Egypt and the surrounding areas. It's, it's, and also into Rosa Parks, you know, it really, it jumps almost into modern day as well yeah, yeah. with that. Um, I liked how she was on this her own journey of self-discovery as we were kind of figuring out how the stories were interwoven. And in fact, that leads us to our other comment that we want to talk about uh, from Jenny uh, about St. Mary the Dusky. Uh, and and this is just one example of these little bits that are like Baudelaire who are, who are put in here and you get really excited because you're like, that's a real thing. I know, I know who that person. is. Jules uh, Verne is a real person. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that has me spinning about this book since finishing it is realizing how many of the characters are real. I'm just really in love with St. Mary of Egypt, who Nala refers to as the Dusky, and I love her alternate history approach, suggesting that the story has changed through the filter of a man seeking fame mm -hmm. through his interaction with the saint, too, too funny. The new Advent Catholic Encyclopedia explains her motivation as, quote, she embarked for Palestine, not, however, with the intention of making the pilgrimage, but in the hope that life on board ship would afford her new and abundant opportunities of gratifying an insatiable lust. Mm. So... Mm -hmm. That's that's our Mary. <laughs> that's our, that's our our Theus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pretty funny, funny and also sad and also true. How things like well, that tend and to how happen. many of us? I mean, that is a that is a cool fantasy trope, which is you know the legend and meeting the reality behind the legend and realizing how certain things got exaggerated mm -hmm. or misinterpreted or or basically the entire plot of the King Killer Chronicle. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and, and so this is, this is a, this is a good, another good example of that. So this was, this was a, this pick was really fascinating for me. Um, I, I agree. I, I, at book club, I was kind of saying, I, I liked it. Like I didn't, I was fascinated by it and I felt like I couldn't put it down because I wanted to know what happened, but I can't, it's not one of those books that I like, I loved and like it, it drove me to want to read more. I'm like, this was a great story and I feel really gratified for having read it. Like that's how it made me feel. Yeah. And maybe that's because like other people were saying it's not, it's not a fun, lighthearted story. I mean, you're not going to get those kinds of feelings from it. It's not going to make you feel real good. It's no, going to make gonna you feel, feel, you're going to think a yeah. lot. And that, I think that's very important too. I, this is something that's become a trend in Sword and Laser where we have a book and people, maybe if they feel safe 
slagging on it. They slag on it because they don't like it. And a lot of times I try to point out, well, it's fine for you not to like the book. There's not one kind of book that we all like. Maybe you like that book because it is, you know, fast and, and skimpy on plot and just lots of shooting. And, and that's exactly what you wanted is something to relax that day. And then maybe you'll like a book like the salt roads because it's not fast and it's not skimpy on character building. And it's, and it's, it's not spending time on plot because you really want to just dig in your teeth into something. And those, mm-hmm. I, I think we fall into the trap of, well, one of them is good literature and the other's not. And, I, I think that's an unfortunate way of putting it because while certainly The Salt Roads by Nalo Hopkinson is an achievement, that is a difficult piece of writing to achieve and she nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that reading a book, a different kind of book is bad or or something like that. Like we don't have to, I, I, this is like getting outside of just books, but we don't have to all agree on what's good and bad and have a fight over it. Like that's right. yeah. we, we we can we can like lots of different things. And I, I think that's what I love about Sword and Laser the most is that we get to read a book like The Salt Roads, which I don't think I ever would have picked up. I would have wanted to, uh, but I probably wouldn't have. And now I've read it and I'm the better for it. Well said. I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, so thank you guys for listening and for reading along with us this month. Um, definitely make sure you head over to Goodreads and put your picks in uh, for the March Madness brackets, which is starting now, so you want to get in early. And also uh, make sure you pick up Gateway by Frederick Pohl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I've am i just started it and I'm already enjoying it quite a bit. And it's very different to, to, to our point uh, <laughs> from other things that we've read. And speaking of new books that are out, uh, Pilot X by Mr. Tom Merritt can now be ordered over on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Speaking of, not every book has to have deep characters and be great literature to be <laughs> you enjoyable. You don't have to like every book, okay? <laughs> but you should try a lot of things like pilot x for example no you know what i'm finding great uh some people have been reviewing this on goodreads and uh, they're very they've been very nice but very honest and Mm -hmm. it's helpful uh because some of the criticisms i'm looking at i'm like okay that's going to make me a better writer the next time i try a story because that's a really good point others of them i'm like okay well you just don't like this kind of story that i wrote and that's cool too you don't have to uh but i wouldn't change it like i i like stories like this so anyway if you're interested in what I think is a very efficient, fast-paced book about a character who is flying a time ship, and while it has a, a built world that you'll get glimpses of, I don't spend a lot of time exploring all of it. Saved some of that for later. Check out Pilot X. Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Uh, we are so happy to have you guys. It's been awesome. Lem's library has been really taking off. We've been shipping a lot of books out. So if you're interested, check out that reward level. Yeah. And don't forget uh, that if you're at the $5 an episode level, you get a first look at some stuff. So the uh, the book briefing went out to folks at that level on uh, Gateway. And uh, we kind of, you know, you got the links to the polls, uh, you know, a little bit, a few minutes before other people did. You get little perks like that. So go check it out. Uh, You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Head to our website at swordandlaser.com. 
goodreads.com. All of our discussions happen, as always, on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.